Hey there, future friends! This week we babysit for a friend, but only after we escape from a Siberian prison. This is the week of September 25th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 182 of Future Flicks with Billiam. my future friends welcome to the show that is right it is episode 182 of future flicks with billy and we are that much closer to episode 200 and you know what i'm drinking right now i am drinking a beer by laughing monk brewing from san francisco california i got this from work and you know what i'm I'm not one of those IPA haters, but I think it's funny when they try to make it fancy. Like, this is a hazy peach IPA. Hazy, so we know it's New England style, where a West Coast IPA is more crisper, clean, more filtered. So a hazy peach IPA, and I don't know where they put the peach flavor. Maybe under the buckets and buckets of hop taste. Because we all know beer is fermented hops. We know this, but... We also know that even though it's made of hops, sometimes a beer can be too hoppy. This is, this is one of those. And it's weird because I have have this really love-hate relationship with Laughing Monk because this one I'm eh on, but they did one called Prophetess, which was a blonde ale made with Earl Grey tea, orange peel, and lactose. And that one was really, really good and we don't carry it anymore and I wish I could get more. But isn't that the problem with these microbreweries these days or the, you know, these small, small hometown breweries is that they do something, you really like it, but if it's not one of their like four normal ones, it eventually just goes away. Well, now for talk about beer, let us talk about movies. That is right. This is a movie podcast and I just happen to drink beer while I do it. So on this show, we do quite a few things and what we do depends on whether or not COVID is going on. Boo, COVID, boo. Normally on this show, as many of you know, we talk about all the movies coming out in the future and I do foresee the show come going back to its normal its normal way soon because a lot of the bigger movie theater chains are starting to open and there are more and more things on the release calendar. But for now, at least for the next few episodes, we are doing it this way where I talk about all of the new news and trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. But instead of talking about the movies that are coming out during the week, we talk about movies that are available on streaming that you can enjoy right now assuming you have the necessary streaming service. I try not to stray too far from Netflix or Hulu, but we do dabble into Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. One week we did Peacock, but that's that's because I really wanted to do Vertigo. So the movies for this week, the movies you were uh, supposed to watch should you want to do the homework, were A Simple Favor on Hulu and Muppets Most Wanted on Disney Plus. So that, my future friends, is later in the show, but right now, let us jump into our first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. 
So by the way, uh, I know I said last week that Anne and I were going to go see Tenet in theaters. We didn't see it. We ended up changing our plans up. So hopefully this week, I'm not going to promise it, but we'll see. Anyway, let's step into the first story this week, which comes to us from The Guardian. And it's less news, more than just interesting speculation, because what we know about the way the MCU works is they really like to... They like to hint at things. Well, sometimes they like to flat out say it. Like, we, we saw Thanos well before we saw him in Infinity War. Now there's rumors that the new big baddie is going to be Kang the Conqueror. Though, if he's going to be the big, big baddie is the question because Kang the Conqueror apparently is going to be in the forthcoming Ant-Man 3. If you're familiar with comics, you know that Kang is worthy of his own story arc. As far as a Thanos-esque story arc, he's kind of a big deal. But now also the question is, if we're seeing Kang, is this going to lead into a Fantastic Four movie in the foreseeable future? Because we all know that Kang the Conqueror is a Fantastic Four villain. So since Marvel loves to set things up like that, is the fact that we now know we're going to see Kang the Conqueror in the MCU means that we're going to get Fantastic Four soon. And actor Jonathan Majors has been cast to play Kang the Conqueror. You would know him from the show Lovecraft Country, I can speak, and the movie The Last Black Man in San Francisco. In other news, this from Box Office Mojo, we know that Tenet is continuing to make waves abroad. The new Christopher Nolan movie has been doing quite well in most countries that are not America, because we have yet to get our COVID shit together. Because in this last week, it added only 4.7 million in this week. That's normally numbers you see at the end of a run. Like, it's the final week of a movie. It was been out for maybe six weeks, let's say six or seven weeks, because it's a bigger film. That's the kind of numbers you see there, not in the third week of a Christopher Nolan movie. So his domestic total so far is only 36.1 million, falling so short of its nearly 200 million budget. But its overseas numbers is so far at 203 million. So at the very least, we know that this movie broke even and made about, made, let's just, let's be nice. Let's say 50 million of profit. Of course, that is also assuming that when they say the budget is a certain amount, do they also include advertising? Do they include everything in that? Or was that just production? All I can really say is that in the next week or two, they can add two more tickets to their uh, to their overall gross. And this next story from Entertainment Weekly, Queen Elizabeth II strips Harvey Weinstein of his royal honorific. That's right, back in 2004, he was given a royal honorific. And we know so far that that scumbag is in prison, sentenced to 23 years in prison. Uh, which he'll probably die in prison. And to that I say, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. That old scummy piece of shit. The the shitty thing is, in cases like this, is that he only got punished now. So he he only has like the last third of his life that he's going to have to live with this for, while all of his victims have to live their entire lives with it. But hey, at least he got, at least he got caught. At least there was some justice. But anyway, according to the UK outlet, The Gazette, The Queen has directed that the appointment of Harvey Weinstein to be an honorary commander of the Civil Division of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, dated January 19, 2004, shall be cancelled and annulled and that his name shall be erased from the register of the said order. 
This next story comes to us from IndieWire, and it's not really news as much as it's something to think of, especially about toxic fandoms. In an interview on Sirius XM Radio, on Andy Cohen's Circus Circus Sirius XM Radio show, Liam Neeson said uh, was talking about Star Wars Episode One, defended it, and also defended Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks, because he says, and he still believes, he says that Ahmed Best could have been the next Eddie Murphy. He said that he was in, uh, he was amazed how talented he was. He even called his ex agent at the time and said, "I think I found the next Eddie Murphy." But because of the horrible negative reaction towards Jar Jar, Ahmed Best basically left Hollywood. All he does these days is just voice acting and some TV. But the backlash and hate he got was so bad, not only did he leave Hollywood, but he even contemplated suicide for a bit. And I think that's terrible. People who did that, people who sent hate his way, should be ashamed of themselves. Because I understand loving a franchise. I get it. I 100% get it. And look, one of my favorite series of all times is Stargate SG-1. And if they remade it, or if they tried to reboot Stargate as in, in the movies, and they royally f***ed it up, I would still get, you know, I'd get upset, and I'd take to Twitter and Instagram and and be angry about it, but I wouldn't single out someone going, you, you mother f- this is your fault. At least as far as the actors go. If it was like Michael Bay, I go, yeah, fuck you, Michael Bay. You're Michael Bay. Go eat a dick. But attacking one of the actors like that, it's just fucked up. All right, my future friends, this next story comes to us from Sci-Fi Wire. Olivia Wilde breaks some of her silence when it comes to the top secret Marvel film she's working on. And she's working on this at Sony. So she did confirm that, yes, she is working on a Marvel film. She would not say what the title was, but she did say that Marvel Studios president and chief creative officer Kevin Feige is working on this as well. A lot of the speculation so far is that this is a Spider-Woman movie, but it could also be something like Spider-Gwen, or it could have nothing to do with a main female protagonist and just be a, just be a Marvel-Sony movie. Maybe could it even be Black Cat, since Black Cat is part of the Spider-Man universe and a key ally slash sometime villain, just like Catwoman is for Batman. And she played a part in the beginning of the Spider-Verse when Morlin showed up and we learned that each of the Earths has their own spider totem. Either way, this bodes well, because Marvel and thus DC start following this lead, not as much, but they start following it. But Marvel learned that, hey, maybe we shouldn't just rely on these big, big, big time directors. Maybe we should go to the indies, look who does good work, look, who, look at who makes good movies and grab from them. Because famously, we had Taika Waititi. Uh, DC got Patty Jenkins, who worked on Monster with Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci. I think it's a very smart move for Marvel, and I think it's one of the reasons why they continue to kill it. This next story comes to us from Cinema Blend, and I think this might be the final story of the episode. Uh, if you've heard rumors that Paramount is dumping the Star Trek franchise, as in no more Star Trek movies, luckily, that rumor is incorrect. Now, that does not mean we're going to get a Star Trek movie within the next few years, because it's because the next Star Trek movie is still way up in the air. We have multiple scripts. We have directors coming and going. We don't actually know what's happening, but what we do know is that Paramount is not dropping the series. Will it come back with the likes of Chris Pine, Zoe Saldana, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg? Maybe, maybe not. 
we may have seen the end of those movies. We may have only gotten a trilogy from them, which, you know, wouldn't be bad. I loved those films. But everything is so up in the air right now that it's hard to say what we're going to get. The only thing we know for sure is that we are going to get more Star Trek sometime. And speaking of Star Trek, there's this really fun ad for Uber Eats. If you, have, if you haven't seen it yet, look it up on the YouTubes. It's a really short ad, like 30 seconds, and it... It shows a part of a confrontation between Mark Hamill and Patrick Stewart. So Luke Skywalker himself and Captain Picard. And it's it's fun. I liked it. All right, my future friends, let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, welcome back. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. Alright, well let's start with the trailer for a film coming out this October, going straight to streaming, but streaming to buy, not streaming like on Netflix or Hulu that you'll get it for free, so that kind of sucks. But it's coming out October 16th, and it's called Love and Monsters. This is about a man named Joel Dawson and his girlfriend Amy. She doesn't get a last name. Actually, looking at it, it's not just because she's a love interest. No one else gets a last name besides Joel and his parents. So hey, at least that at least the movie's not being right out sexist right away. Anyway, Joel and Amy are in love. Yay for love. But guess what? While they are making out at Lover's Point, the monster apocalypse happens. That's right, monsters start attacking. A good portion of the population is killed, and those who survived are left to live underground in a very Fallout-like way. And every day, every day, Joel jumps on his radio and just tries to find any sign of Amy until one day he finds her. Lo and behold, there she is at the other side of the radio. Yay, love can be reunited, but it's not that easy. Because the colony that Amy lives with is 85 miles away. How do they know that exactly? Who knows? But let's not question it, because Joel is going to go on a mission of love. But along the way, he needs some help, and he finds it in the way of Clyde. Clyde, a grizzled old man who's pretty good at staying alive out in the wilderness. And him, along with Clyde's companion, a little girl named Minnow, they try to make it to Amy's colony. This stars Dylan O'Brien as Joel, Jessica Henwick as Amy, Michael Rooker as Clyde, and Ariana Greenblatt as Minnow. Uh, you would know Ariana Greenblatt from Avengers Infinity War. She played young Gamora. And A Bad Mom's Christmas. This will be available to rent for a fee on Apple TV, Vudu, Prime Video, Fandango Now, Google Play, and Xfinity on October 16th. 
Next up in the trailer trove, we have a movie that's coming out October 2nd, I assume to streaming too, though it said nothing about it, called Then Came You. Not to be confused with the Them Came You from 2018 starring Asa Butterfield and uh, Macy Williams. That, that was the other one. No, not that one. This one stars Craig Ferguson and Kathy Lee Gifford and Elizabeth Hurley. Quite a different cast. I didn't even know Kathy Lee Gifford was still around. I mean, I knew she was alive. I didn't hear she died or anything, but I didn't know she was still doing things because, well, looking at her IMDb page, she's mainly just done TV since she left uh, Regis and Kathy, which then became Regis and Kelly and then Kelly and... Was it Kelly and Michael right after that? Then Kelly and Ryan? I don't know. Whatever. My, my parents would know that. They love that shit. But this is a kind of a geriatric rom-com. Though Craig Ferguson is 58 and Elizabeth Hurley is 55, Kathy Lee Gifford is 67, which is, yes, a senior citizen. This is a familiar movie. We've seen things like it before, but usually just on Lifetime or Hallmark. It's about a, a widow named Annabelle who decides to go on a trip. She wants to go on a trip to 20 countries where her 20 favorite movies take place. And Scotland is is one of those places, Scotland in the good old United Kingdom. And there she stays at this like weird B&B type place run by Howard, played by Craig Ferguson, and his and his fiance Claire, played by Elizabeth Hurley. So right there is one of my problems with this film. I, I don't I don't like these stories where we have this love story between two people, but one of them has to leave their current partner for it. Like, oh I found love. I realize you're not that love. Or the other partner is like clearly a huge asshole or bitch or something. Or one partner cheats and we're just supposed to go with it because they're the main characters. I don't like these kind of stories. But if you like cute movies about old people, this could be for you. Comes out October 2nd. Next up in the trove, my future friends, we have probably one of the most depressing trailers I have ever seen. It's for a film called The Father, which is set to come out December 18th. We'll see if that stays, um... Well, the case. This is a drama starring Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, Mark Gattis, and let's see, Imogen Poots. Still one of my favorite names of all time. And yes, I will say that every time. This movie is about an old man. Guess who plays that old man? Yes, Mark Gattis. No, Anthony Hopkins plays an old man named Anthony Big reach for him, right? No, this actually looks really good and not like one of those movies where an older actor gets to phone it in and make a little bit of money to just sit there and be themselves. This looks pretty good. This is about an old man named Anthony. Uh, his daughter is moving away to Paris. And for some reason or another, he's not going, probably because he's stubborn and doesn't want to go. Or maybe she's just a huge bitch and he's not invited. Maybe he's just a huge dick and she doesn't want to take him. So far, we just don't know. All we know is that Anthony lives in the UK, I assume, because they're all British, and Olivia Coleman's character, Anne, wants to go to Paris. As she's setting up to go, she hires a young woman named Laura to help her father, played by Imogen Poots, but then things just start to get weird for the father. There are people in his house that he doesn't recognize, who say they belong there. There's this woman he never, he doesn't recognize, who swears that she's Anne, the daughter, Things and people don't look familiar anymore, and he's starting to question his own mind. So here's here's my theory. Here's my theory with this, and my theory on this is based on something on the IMDb page. The IMDb page classes this only as a drama, not drama suspense, 
not drama mystery because this could with this with, with this trailer it could go two ways well it, let's be honest it can go a million different ways but the main ways it can go are two ways the first is that there is something uh, really weird going on but because of his advanced age instead of picking up on these clues he's starting to question what he remembers right so it's not that he's going senile, there's something afoot, but here's the other option, which I think is the more likely option, is that he is going senile. This man and woman he sees in his house that he doesn't recognize are his daughter and her daughter's husband, or who I assume is the daughter's husband. But in that scene, he doesn't recognize them, but it is them, and he is starting to go senile. Maybe it's Alzheimer's, maybe he's just old and forgetful and it's not full-on Alzheimer's but either way I think this is going to be one of those movies that you watch and you're like wow that was really good let me drink a whole bunch of water maybe some Gatorade because I cried all of the liquid out of my body I need to get hydrated and I'm going to love this movie I'm going to give it a high score and never f***ing watch it again I want to see this film. It might be one of those films for me. Maybe it'll be like Foxcatcher. I watched, watched, I watched, I watched Foxcatcher. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a good film. Fantastic performances from everyone. But I am never, ever going to watch this again unless Anne specifically requests to watch that film. Check out this trailer. It looks like we're going to get at least one more really moving performance out of Anthony Hopkins. And no, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that he's probably going to die soon. I'm just saying how, honestly, how long is he going to keep going until he retires? When will he pull a Sean Connery and just disappear and enjoy the rest of his life? All right, my future friends, next up is a movie called The Glorias that's available for purchase or is already included if you have Amazon Prime coming out September 30th. This is a movie starring... Julianne Moore, Alicia Vikander, Bette Midler, Janelle Monet, Timothy Hutton, and it's about feminist icon Gloria Steinem's childhood and its influence on her life as a writer, activist, and organizer for women's rights worldwide. This is based on the book by Gloria Steinem about her life. Uh, there are four women playing Gloria Steinem. It's Julianne Moore, Alicia Vikander, two young ones, Lulu Wilson and Ryan Kira Armstrong. Lulu Wilson, who is in Annabelle Creation, Sharp Objects, and The Haunting on Hill House, and Ryan Kira Armstrong, who is in The Art of Racing in the Rain, and 17 episodes of Anne with an E. This looks like an interesting movie, especially because it, it talks about a, a well-known women's rights activist. I'm excited for this just because of the the top three people build. Alicia Vikander, Janelle Monae, Julianne Moore. That's why I'm really excited for this, because they are fantastic. And I can't wait to see what this is like. And the good news is, you know, we don't... If you already have Amazon Prime, which, let's be honest, a lot of people do, or you know someone with an account, then you can watch this for free on September 30th. Next up, folks, we have a trailer for a film that's a sequel to one from 2013. This is an animated movie from DreamWorks called The Croods, A New Age. This, of course, is a sequel to The Croods. And in this new movie, a prehistoric family is on the search for a new home, and then they stumble upon the Bettermans, slightly more evolved people, and the Croods start to like this new life. 
When the daughters of both of the families become good friends, they go on a journey that brings trouble to both families. Of course, this is a big budget animated film, so it has a whole bunch, a whole bunch of stars in it that, you know, my feelings on this aren't needed for an animated film, but let's talk about them anyway. Nicolas Cage, Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, Katherine Keener, Leslie Mann, Peter Dinklage, Clor- and Cloris Leachman. Oh, and Kelly Marie Tran. And you know what? It, it looks fine. It looks funny. Uh, but to me, it looks like one of those movies that I wouldn't be against watching, but I won't seek it out. God knows one day I'll wind up watching this. Like if they if they release some super cheap Blu-ray pack of, oh, all the Croods movies for five bucks, I'll be like, okay, sure. Because I have a buying problem and I need my collection as big as possible. But this is from DreamWorks, so the animation looks good. This comes out in theaters this Thanksgiving. All right, my future friends, I know I said that that Anthony Hopkins one was going to be the saddest movie ever, but now we have Supernova to talk about. Yes, Supernova. Seems like it's going to be way sadder. This is an indie film starring Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth as Sam and Tusker. They've been partners for 20 years who are traveling across England in their old RV, visiting friends, family, and places from their past. Since Tusker, played by Colin Firth, was diagnosed with early onset dementia two years ago. Their time together is the most important thing they have. So in this movie, we have an inherently sad plot. Writer-director Harry McQueen thought, was, was sitting there going, how can I make people cry like a bastard? And he said, I know not only a gay love story, not only a story about a loved one losing another loved one to a mental disease, but let's combine them and get two of the best actors currently alive. Stanley Tucci is remarkable, and Colin Firth, I think, doesn't get the credit he deserves. Anytime I need to remember how great Colin Firth is, I just watch The King's Speech. Because it's easy to look at him and go, oh, he's the guy in the Mamma Mia movies and the Bridget Jones movies. But then, guess what? He can f***ing act. So this movie looks like it's going to punch you right in the feels with performances from two fantastic actors. I don't have an exact release date for this because all the trailer said was coming soon to cinemas. But if I do ever find out a better release date or, you know, more exact one, I will let you know. And next up in the trove, I know I thought I said that the last movie was the saddest movie ever, but I can't f***ing believe this. This other trailer looks super, super sad, too. It's for a movie called The Place of No Words, starring anyone big, notable. And, you know, just in case I've gotten any new listeners, and I haven't been over this in a while, I just want to remind you that I only talk about the even moderately well-known people in a movie, not because I hate indie actors who haven't done a lot, but because what good is it going to do to go, oh, Sylvia Fine is in this, and you're like, who the f*** is that? Oh, she hasn't done anything you'd know, but she's in it. So for those of you who are new, I'm not just being an a-hole. So let's talk about this movie, The Place of No Words, uh, no set release date yet as far as I can see on IMDb or the trailer, but this was written by, directed by, and starring Mark Webber, who you would know from 
Green Room and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. In Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, he played Stephen Stills, uh, the leader of Scott Pilgrim's band, and also stars Teresa Palmer and Eric Christian Olsen. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, he was in, um, oh, it's a stupid show, uh, NCIS Los Angeles. But if you have good taste, you might know him as Vaughn from Community. Uh, you know, the hippie that dated Britta for a bit who was really into hacky sack and carried around a guitar. So to add to our sadness, we have this movie about a young boy growing up, but guess what? His father is dying. And this is a young, young, young boy. And so we see in this kid's imagination as they pretend to be like Vikings or something and then going around in the fair in the woods with uh, like fairies and magical creatures and they hang out with trolls. While in the real world, his he's spending time with his dad and his dad's trying to you know, enjoy these last moments with his son before he dies. So, yeah, really f-ing sad. Shit. I'm sorry that the trailer trove has been such a f-ing downer. Like, oh, my God. What can we end this on? That's not any better. I, I when I make the notes for the show now, I when I see something on YouTube, I just throw into a playlist. There are a couple I skipped because they were for TV shows like Black Narcissus, for some reason, is getting a remake. Um, but it's a three episode miniseries on FX and the BBC, the original starring Deborah Kerr. This one starring Gemma Arterton, and it comes out uh, sometime this year. Oh, uh, the first episode comes out Monday, November 23rd. Uh, that looks really cheery, too. Jesus, I'm not doing any better here, am I? Um, What else? Uh, Your Honor, a new... No, that's terrible, too. <laughs> a TV show starring Brian Cranston, where his child kills someone in a hit-and-run accident, and the kid takes off. Brian Cranston's a judge, helps the kid cover it up, but it turns out the, the person that the kid hit is the son of a local mob boss. So, you know, super cheery shit. If you haven't seen it, the uh, WandaVision trailer came out looking really good. I, I really didn't know what to expect. I was just excited to see more Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. That's what I was really excited for. Now I'm excited for the show and that we're getting Katherine Hahn in it. Katherine Hahn is f***ing fantastic. And my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Once again, if I miss anything, please let me know and I will talk about it in the next episode or I will tell you why I missed it. Like today, I'm recording this on Tuesday, September 22nd. So maybe if it comes out Thursday, maybe I didn't see it. But no matter what, let me know if I missed something and I would greatly appreciate it. But my future friends, let us take a break. Let us pause. Let us hold on. Let us rein in our horses. Let us take a break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, my future friends, let us jump right into the movies. And if you remember from earlier on in the show, I told you the two movies for this week 
We're Muppets Most Wanted on Disney Plus and a simple favor on Hulu. And allow me to be perfectly honest with you, the only reason I wanted to talk about this film, because it is from a while ago, it's from six years ago, was that Anne had never seen anything Muppets related except for a Muppet Christmas Carol during Christmas. So I showed her the Muppet movie that came before like directly before, the one from 2011 starring uh, Jason Siegel and Amy Adams and Chris Cooper. And so after we watched that, we noticed that Disney Plus had this one as well, and I had not seen it. And I, I didn't boycott it or anything. I just never got around to seeing this, so now I did, and I was so impressed. So let's talk about the let's talk about the premise. This takes place directly after 2011's The Muppets. This is about the Muppets deciding to go on a world tour since they made it back. Yay, they, they made it again. They are, they are big news. But they find themselves in trouble, at least Kermit does. It turns out that a very famous jewel thief, the uh, or thief in general, the best thief in the world, breaks out of a Russian prison, and he just so happens to look almost exactly like Kermit the Frog. The only thing is that he has a mole while Kermit does not. So what happens is this criminal frog finds Kermit, puts a fake mole on him that for some reason Kermit can't get off. He puts makeup over his own mole. Kermit gets arrested, thrown back in this Russian prison. And the thing is, when he takes Kermit's place at the Bubbit Show, no one seems to notice. No one really except Walter. Walter and Animal are the only two that notice something's wrong. But no one listens to them. And so then we have Kermit who has to, who's stuck in this prison in what I think is Siberia, actually. And then Walter and Animal have to try and figure out what they can do. So I was a big fan of the 2011 Muppets movie. I was a huge fan. But I ended up liking Muppets Most Wanted more than I did its predecessor, because I think this one is more about the Muppets, because in the Muppets 2011 version, we had the story of Walter, who grew up, who was a brother of Jason Siegel's character, and he always dreamed of being a Muppet. And then so we have them trying to revive the Muppets, but also Jason Siegel and Amy Adams were a big part of the story. In this one, we do have a lot of non-Muppets in it. We do have a lot of human actors, but that's normal for a Muppets thing. The focus of the movie are the Muppets, and that is what I really like. But let's just talk about the people who are in this movie. I'm just going to go down the list as presented on IMDb. We have Ricky Gervais, Ty Burrell, Tina Fey, Tony Bennett, Hugh Bonneville, Jermaine Clement, Sean Diddy Combs, Rob Corddry, Celine Dion, Lady Gaga, Zach Galifianakis, Josh Groban, Salma Hayek, Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hollander, Toby Jones, Frank Langella, Ray Liotta, James McAvoy, Chloe Grace Moretz, Usher, Miranda Richardson, Saoirse Ronan, Danny Trejo, Stanley Tucci, Christoph Waltz. And that is an impressive cast of side characters and cameos. And I think the only reason that so many people, they were able to get so many people. Okay, obviously, yes, it's a Disney movie. Disney has that kind of power. People want to work with Disney. But also, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it was the Muppets. And who doesn't love the Muppets? If you don't love the Muppets, something is wrong with you. I understand not liking modern Muppets. I mean, I love them. But I can understand maybe, oh, I love the old Muppet show. But if you don't love some iteration of the Muppets, I question your humanity. 
So even though I did like the 2011 Muppets movie, this was what I wanted more from a Muppets movie. More Muppets. More Muppets being Muppets. More celebrity cameos where the Muppets just act like, oh, this is just a normal day with funky Frank Langella here. Four-time Academy Award nominee Sir Ronan is here. And, oh, whatever. Just another person. You know what? If you're a fan of the Muppets, check out Disney Plus because there's a new Muppets TV show. I don't see it lasting too long. Right now, I think it's just six episodes. I believe it's called Muppets Now. Oh, yeah, it was one season was released this year, like not too long ago, just last month, actually. Uh, Six episodes. So we'll see if more if more happen. So if you do like the Muppets, check this out. Show Disney that Muppets can still get views. But let's go back to talking about Muppets Most Wanted. As a movie, it's just fun. It's enjoyable. It's a little bit of your childhood. The director and writer of the movie, James Bobbin, knows what he's doing. Uh, He does. He's he directed the previous Muppets movie. He was a writer uh, and a director on Flight of the Concords. He directed Dora and the Lost City of Gold. He was a writer for a little bit on the Diali G show or the Duck or Da Ali G Show. So this guy knows fun. And that's exactly what this film is. The plot was okay. It's about what I expect from a Muppets show. And the good thing about this film is that it's doable just on its own. If you don't remember the Muppets that well, if you don't remember the first one that well, you'll only miss out on like one or two jokes. And also you may be wondering who the f- Walter is. But that's really it. This movie is 100% watchable on its own. So if you're a fan, this movie gives you everything you want. It has the Muppets you know and love. It has the celebrity cameos you come to expect from anything Muppets related. And it's also a family-friendly movie. It is PG. Uh, None of the jokes are too obviously adult jokes. I mean, there are a couple, if I remember correctly. But none that would cause any awkward moments with your children if you have young kids. I think this would be a perfect movie for kids of all ages, because at least a kid too young to appreciate a film will at least laugh at all of the puppets on the on the screen. If you haven't seen this movie yet, or it's been a while since you watched it, there's no reason not to go back. Muppets Most Wanted gets a 9 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us take our next break as we hear word from our good friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And then we'll be right back with the final film. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future friends, we are back with a movie called A Simple Favor that you can find right now on Hulu. This is a film from 2018 starring Anna Kendrick from the Pitch Perfect series, Blake Lively from The Shallows or The Town, and Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians. It is directed by Paul Feig, and it's based on a popular book by Darcy Bell. 
This is about Stephanie, a single mother with a parenting vlog who befriends Emily, a secretive and upper-class woman who has a child at the same elementary school as Stephanie does. When Emily goes missing, Stephanie takes it upon herself to investigate. So as you can probably guess, Anna Kendrick is the mommy vlogger. We have Blake Lively as a mysterious upper-class friend. We have Henry Golding as a mysterious upper-class friend's husband. And we have it directed by Paul Feig. And if you're normally not a fan of Paul Feig, I understand that. But I also ask that you give this movie a shot, even if you're not a fan of his, because this is quite unlike anything else he's done before. Let's face it, when you think of him, you think of things like Spy, The Heat, Bridesmaids. We have the 2016 Ghostbusters, which a lot of people hated. But I think this film was quite different. In fact, when the movie started, his name flashed across the screen. And I was like, oh, well, I think I kind of know what to expect. But as the movie progressed, I forgot that it was a Paul Feig film until right about now when I was recording this and looking up the information. Because this is a comedy, but it's a crime drama comedy, so it's very dark. And I think this movie does a very good job balancing. It balances very well between the comedy and the drama. So I would never call this movie lighthearted, but I would also say that it is funny. There were quite a few times when I laughed. But Blake Lively's character is quite blunt with the, with the jokes she says. And they're jokes for us, the viewer, not jokes that Anna Kendrick's character should be really laughing at. But it's just supposed to be funny for us because she's just so emotionless at time and times and blunt and to the point. And if you've ever read this book, I have good news for you. The ending between the book and the movie is different. I have not read the book, but Anne told me how it differs from how the two differ. So even if you saw the or even if you read the book, you could go into the movie and maybe you'll predict it. Honestly, you might be able to predict it, but it's different from what you've already experienced. This movie has good performances from everyone involved. I think that Anna Kendrick is one of those actresses just waiting to explode. She's only been nominated for one Oscar for Up in the Air, uh, one Golden Globe, one Primetime Emmy. She's been nominated for quite a few things, but hasn't won a lot of the big things. But I think she's just one good role away from even making the critics go, oh, wow, she's super good and we should celebrate her and throw all the awards at her. I also think Blake Lively could be hot on her heels, too, because she's talented. But out of the two, I think the first to make it to, to really explode would be Anna Kendrick. Though even if she never does, that's not necessarily a bad thing. She is really popular. There's so many people out there, countless people out there, who her presence alone in a film will sell it for them. And then, after her, we have the handsome Malaysian himself, Henry Golding. He's yet another one, I think, who's just waiting for his time to explode. And one day, I think we're going to look back on this film and go, Oh, can you believe these four? Four? <laughs> I can't count. That these three were in this movie and how cool that was? But let me be perfectly clear. None of them need to explode. They don't need to make it any bigger because they all have good careers. And let's also be honest, not everyone wants that. Not everyone wants a Tom Cruise or Denzel Washington level fame. But let's get back to talking more about this movie. So this has a bit of mystery to it. Like what happens to Emily? What? Why did she disappear? What was her deal in the first place? Why did she befriend Stephanie, this kind of 
dorky mommy blogger and nothing against dorky mommy bloggers. But when you think of a sophisticated, hard assed, typically or stereotypically beautiful woman and you think of who her friend's going to be, you don't go for the this goody two shoes, dorky woman. So her whole friendship with Emily is even called into question. But that's not the main question in the movie. The main question is what happened to Emily and can Stephanie get to the bottom of this? And I like the blogging or the vlogging element in this because I think it's done well because so many times in movies when it comes to any sort of social media or game or anything like that, it can come across very cheesy as if the writer or producer or director or someone has never seen a vlog, has never seen a, a video game, has never seen any of these things. How many times in the past have I complained about a film and said that the, that the only thing needed to prevent this film from making this mistake would be Google. Just go to Google and, hey, Google, what is a video game? What is a vlog? Who is a popular mommy vlogger? Maybe stay away from that search. It could get a little weird. I don't know. But it's easy. It's easy to find these things out. And I think a simple favor did it well, which makes me happy because to me, it shows the people behind this movie cared. Because if you've listened to the show for a while, you know some of my pet peeves. You know one of my biggest pet peeves is people playing video games and movies. And how we always see that over-the-top playing. Like they're like they're twisting their whole bodies and they're and, and it's like they're trying to do couch gymnastics while playing a game. And I have known a couple gamers like that who get really into it physically, but most of the time we just sit back and just kind of watch, and the only thing moving is our thumbs, and occasionally when our ass goes numb, we turn around. Not turn around, but, you know, shift in, in space. So a film where a good portion of it revolves around Stephanie's Mommy Tips vlog, and a movie where that's a big deal, it could have been cringy. It could have been bad, but it wasn't. Like, I'm not a vlogger. You know this. I know at least two of you who would watch my vlog if I did one, and thank you. But I assume the representation is is good. And the only reason I could say that with any sort of certainty is because I do watch a lot of vloggers. But let's stop focusing on that. And let's start, start focusing on Emily and her husband, her husband, Sean. They were realistic, too. They are kind of your rich, maybe a little out of touch, but still basically real people family. And they have this beautiful house that doesn't look like it's actually lived in. Because I remember as a kid, I had some rich friends and we would go to their house or we'd go to like their grandmother's house or something because their grandmother was super rich. And I'd be in their house seeing, thinking that does anyone actually live here? And you know that old joke where you go into the bathroom, you see these decorative towels. You're not supposed to use those fucking decorative towels, but why do you have them there? It's that kind of, uh, maybe not a disconnect, but that kind of thing where the richer you are, you can have things that make people who don't have money question it. So Emily and Sean's whole house is like that. It doesn't actually feel when when you're watching the movie, it doesn't actually feel like anyone lives there, which gave me a weird feeling too because she goes missing, but it feels like this fake person was missing. So this movie was really well done in that sense where there are quite a few things that make me question what's going on. And then as Stephanie uncovers more and more clues and looks into things, it all starts to come together and I think it comes together very naturally. I think it comes together in a very fluid way. Because another danger with a movie like this is it could all just wrap up. It could be like, oh, let's let's build out this mystery. Let's tease it out, tease it out, tease out 
all these questions we're asking and then boom, end it like abruptly. And then just get some exposition on how you figured it out. The end. But let's be honest, for a good mystery, you do kind of need that. You do kind of need this. The the good guy, the protagonist, the whoever it is, figures it out. And we're not quite sure how. Maybe you are. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But it needs a, just a little bit of that. And this movie did have it. We're at the end when everything comes to fruition. And then we're left going, what, what, how'd this happen? What happened here? Then things are explained, but not so much that we, we were just sitting there going, how could we have ever figured this out? Cause I hate stuff like that. I hate it when you watch a movie with a little bit of mystery or maybe a full on mystery. And there was no possible way for you to figure out what happened. And here's the next part. I'm not the best judge of if a mystery is is good or not because here's the thing i don't read a lot of thrillers i don't watch a lot of thrillers my wife on the other hand reads a lot of them and so many times she's reading a new book and she'll turn to me and go remember it's on this page where i think i figured it out and then a couple days later she finishes the book and goes yep that was exactly what i thought where i then read the same book and i'm like i have no clue how you figured that out but that's one of her many strengths when it comes to reading and it transfers over to cinema and TV very well because a story is a story. It doesn't matter how it's served to you. Stories are similar. And to toot my own horn for just a little bit, my specialty is remembering remembering things. Like the series of books by Brandon Sanderson called Mistborn. Like what each of the metals does when it's burned and who all these characters are. I can remember that as I'm reading the book or as I'm watching a movie with many characters and powers and stuff. I can remember that. Because that shit's my jam. So for me, as a fan of movies like this, but not an avid watcher, I really liked this. I was semi-surprised by the ending as I did see a couple things coming. But I think for this worst case scenario, even if you do see everything coming, the fact that it's not just a thriller, not just a mystery, serves it well. Because even if you see it coming, there's more to the movie than that. So even though, even if you guess it right away... It's still a fun journey. There's more to it than the questions that need to be answered. And I think that's one of the things this film does really well. It has good actors in it. It has a good story. And it twists that story that even if you're familiar with the original content, you may still be surprised. This movie showed me a different side of a director I thought I was familiar with. And bonus, as we already know, this is available to watch on Hulu. And Prime, too. I think Amazon Prime as well. So you have two possible ways to watch this for free. I don't think there's any reason not to. Worst case scenario, like I always say with a movie on streaming, worst case scenario, you're not a fan, but you didn't lose much besides an hour or two of your time. Like I learned recently from Brian Q that he was not a fan of Project Power, but that's only an hour and 53 minutes. So worst case scenario with a simple favor, it's the same thing that happened to Brian Q and Project Power. You're not a fan. So I like this film. I want to watch this again one day. Even though Anne told me how the book ends different from the movie, I still want to read the book. This is a good film. It's not wonderful, but it's just solid. It is a solidly good film that I give a simple favor, a 7.5 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is time for our final break as we hear a word from our good, good friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, and then we'll be right back with the question of the week and the movies for next week. Please stay tuned. 
Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, my future friends, we are back from the final break. It is time for the question of the week. So if you do not remember, the question of the week from last week was, who would voice COVID-19 in a Osmosis Jones style film. That's right. I am classy on this show, but we did get an answer. And that answer comes from Brian Q who says Jermaine Clement would voice COVID-19. And that is a fantastic answer. So Jermaine Clement, we've talked about him already tonight, but uh, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with him, you've probably seen him. If you've seen what we do in the shadows, uh, he was Vladislav. He was a main guy on Flight of the Concords. He played, well, Jemaine. He was in movies like Men in Black 3. Chances are you've seen something with him in it. And if you listen to some of his, some of his voice acting, I think that is a very, very good answer. And for the answers within this very house, we have Anne who says, Kate McKinnon, horror, thriller, comedy, drama, anything always Kate McKinnon, which is very true. Kate McKinnon is amazing. And she should be given all of the roles. Personally, if she is the one who would ever voice COVID-19, I think she should do her Jeff Sessions voice, because I think that one would be really good. Or her Rudy Giuliani. Both of those are pretty funny. And as for my answer, who I see voicing COVID-19 is Danny McBride. And not even Danny McBride doing a voice. Danny McBride doing himself. Like, my idea for this mysterious never going to happen because it'd be totally tasteless COVID-19 animated movie would have Danny McBride acting like he did in This Is The End. And if he wants, he can still have Channing Tatum in gimp gear, <laughs> like tied up with a chain walking around like a dog. If he wants to do that, sure. Well, my future friends, it is time for a new question of the week. So let's go with this. The next time you listen to my wonderful voice, you will be in the month of October. So, month of October means one thing. Yes, the countdown to Halloween and time to start watching scary movies. So, my question for you is, which movie do you like to kick off the Halloween season with? And, if you don't have one that you normally do, which will you? which do you want to do this year? So which movie do you kick off the Halloween season with is the question for next week. So let me tell you what movies we'll be watching for next week. Next week, episode 183, we're going to be doing The Devil All the Time, which is the new Netflix movie that just came out last week starring, well, many people, but Bill Skarsgård, Tom Holland. Uh, we have Sebastian Stan, Riley Keough, Jason Clark, Robert Pattinson, just a really good cast. And then we're also going to be doing a kind of a goofier one from Hulu called Hooking Up. Hooking Up, another movie from this year. And this one stars Brittany Snow and Sam Richardson. So once again, for next week, we'll be watching The Devil All the Time on Netflix and Hooking Up on Hulu. So my future friends, that is it for episode 182 called Mommies and Muppets. And without further ado, here is the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. 
as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also share the podcast, share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>